This show is recorded in the great state of Oklahoma, and the show is called Raw Tools. Thanks for joining. I'm Luke Slabaugh. Milwaukee Brewers right-hander Adrian Hauser joins the show this week. You heard me right. Adrian Hauser is coming off a breakout 2021 season where he emerged as a legit starting pitcher for the Brew Crew. We're going to talk about the lockout, his postseason performance in the NLDS against the Braves, where he's going to improve in 2022, plus some really sweet honors he picked up at his alma mater. Hauser went to Locust Grove High School, about 40 minutes east of Tulsa, if I'm not mistaken, as you approach Fayetteville. Hauser won a state championship there, got drafted out of high school by the Astros, got traded as a minor leaguer to the Brewers, and the rest is history. But hard to believe that draft day was about, well, it's more than 10 years ago now, getting close to 10 and a half as we close out 2021. We are coming off our best episode yet. I haven't looked at the data recently, but the last time I checked, we got about 600 streams last week. That's not Joe Rogan numbers or anything, and I make no make no illusions or mistakes about it. There's so much work to do on this podcast. However, a huge shout out to Laron Stokes, defensive lineman for the University of Oklahoma, who was so gracious to come on and talk about that big breaking story with Brent Venables becoming the new head coach for the Sooners. It was a very hot story, very topical, very newsworthy, and Laron just knocked it out of the park. He had a lot of good information, a lot of experience uh, to share with OU fans and college football fans and people who are really curious. And I'm so grateful for his time. It was such a weird upheaval and, and time of change in Oklahoma the last couple of weeks with Lincoln Riley leaving for USC and then the legendary Hall of Famer Bob Stoops coming in to be the interim head coach for this upcoming bowl game. So it was a great episode. We got a lot of good feedback and a lot of engagements. Uh, Special thank you again to Laron. Great kid, uh, Tulsa kid, and I hope he just goes and kills it in the NFL. I hope some team gives him a chance, gives him a tryout, um, pays attention to his pro day and scouts him really well and gives him a chance because that's all you need these days. There are so many good players in the NFL who started out undrafted and even drafted in the low rounds. I think Juwan Jennings was a seventh round pick by the 49ers out of Tennessee and he put it all together and is making big plays for the 49ers right now. So... Anything's possible. I think Laron's got good character. He's got a good build. And uh, he's... uh, OU fans were lucky to see him play for the last several years. I always forget to say this, uh, but if you like what I'm doing here, uh, want some more guests on, have any ideas for the show, please hit that like or subscribe button, uh, leave a review, and a rating. Uh, That's the best way to get your voice out there, uh, get the show out there to others who might not be aware of it, Because again, I'm just one guy and I work with a couple other guys. Uh, But like I've been saying, this is such a loose format show. It's very subjective and the workflow changes all the time. Some weeks I have this episode done by 9 p.m. and other nights, maybe tonight will be one of those nights, I'm up till 3 a.m. cramming as much as I feel I need to to make this show worthwhile. Um, That's the reason we haven't done uh, power rankings uh, on the pod for a while. 
I lost interest. It doesn't mean uh, I won't bring it back. We might take a couple of weeks or so, um, but it's just not the right time right now uh, to include NFL with so many college-heavy topics, pro baseball topics like we're getting into today. Bottom line is I'd really like to get more interactive as we move forward into 2022 and beyond. I just do such a bad job at promoting the work here on Raw Tools and the rest of what Studio Soapbox Network is doing. Because uh, I get so caught up in the moment, I just, just push to get things done. Uh, and I forget to share some of the cool stuff we got going on. Laron was a great get. Adrian Hauser is a wonderful get. We're jumping into the world of pro sports now, interviewing pro baseball players. That's a big deal. Right now, uh, MLB... Uh, and the regional sports networks who are partnered with baseball teams, uh, the teams themselves also, have been told they can't use any name, image, and likeness for any of their players on social media. So really, the arena for pro ball players to express themselves or interact with their fans is, one, by their own means, but you got to post on social media to do that, um, through blogs and podcasts such as this one, um, maybe through local news outlets, but but who's tuning in? Who's sitting down at a TV set for appointment television these days? Who's doing it for radio? I, I, I don't think Tulsa is. Maybe some bigger markets. Maybe some MLB markets are. But this is a huge opportunity for, for people like me, you know, your fan blogs, your influencer types. You can do some really great interviews and get to know people so much better in this time. This is such a huge opportunity for people like me and people who want to do some journalism. So one of my goals for next year is to promote myself better, <laughs> obviously. One other thing, as we approach the holidays, seasonal affective disorder is getting to a lot of people. I know a lot of people just because I'm a Gen Y. Uh, mental health gets really tough this time of year. Mine is fine. I'm okay right now. It fluctuates. But please check in on yourself. Check in on each other. But really, it starts with you. You got to know yourself inside and out. And hopefully, <laughs> listener of this podcast, you do. You know your habits. Uh, one thing I've learned about myself in recent years is when I'm not at my best mentally, emotionally, physically, when I don't have all my stuff together, uh, my patience will become non-existent. Uh, as it is, I'm very quick to action and move things along. Um, but when I get in a bad place with anxiety, uh, I will get super worked up and it'll be over the smallest things, extra red light in traffic someone driving five under the speed limit, um, someone tweaking something in my workspace or my room. Uh, I don't snap, but in contrast, when everything's good, I'm pretty zen in those situations, totally cool, love driving. But now I know when I start yelling at the traffic light, as I may or may not have done today, um, I got a lot of work to do. And I'll try to cap this off uh, with a fun story demonstrating that. And then we'll bring on Adrian Hauser. I know that's why most of y'all have tuned in. Really, uh, just mentally, this weekend, I was not there. 
uh, drove to historic downtown Tulsa, where I've been about a million times in the past two and a half years, know the route uh, by heart, uh, get on the BA, get off at 7th and Elgin, uh, take a right, and then it's 5th Street, 4th Street, 3rd Street. I'm with a friend in the car. Bar we wanted to go to was on 2nd Street. We knew this. Um, I turned my blinker on. And I'm thinking to myself, I turn left every time at this light, at 2nd and Elgin. And as it turns out, I was supposed to go right, not left. This would not be a huge problem, except, and if you've been to the Blue Dome District, you know what I'm about to say. Pretty much all those streets go one way. And I went the wrong way. And thank God, thank God, the nearest car was far enough away to avoid colliding with me. Uh, this was not a situation where anyone was going to get hurt. Not a whole lot of pedestrians around at like 8.30 at night. So low risk situation. See a cop on the same street, turn his lights on. Siren beeps for just a quick second. And I panic as one would. I turn into the first parking lot. I see just sharp right turn into Peacemaker Lobster and Crab, the parking lot. Uh, cop just turns his lights off, drives away. Um, so shout out to TPD for not caring. I know one of them just got married this weekend. They got a lot going on. We all do as the holidays approach. Um, but it was just a big, fuzzy, foggy week for me. Uh, and a reminder uh, for me to check in on myself as we wind down a super long 2021. I know last year was tragic. And people were saying that it felt like it lasted forever. Um, the last eight or nine months of this year have felt like three years to me. I feel like it took forever. My guest this week is a starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Adrian Hauser is a right-hander who had a breakout season for the Brew Crew in 2021. 10-6 record, 322 ERA, and an elite 59% ground ball rate. He makes his off-season home in Tulsa, and which is why we are happy to have him in. Adrian Hauser, welcome to Raw Tools. How are you? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. Your jersey was retired at Locust Grove High School to honor that 2011 state champion team. How special was that? Uh, it's very special. It's a very special moment for me and something that I'll always remember forever and cherish, uh, you know, especially with all the people that have come through Locust Grove and to be the first one to get their jersey retired is a pretty special thing for me. They did it at halftime at a basketball game this past week at the high school. When you see that number 12 commemorated and put away forever, what emotions resonate with you in that moment? Uh, a lot of flashbacks, you know, being back there with uh, guys that I was there with senior year, you know, when we won the championship and, uh, you know, seeing that number in that jersey again just brought all those memories back and made it made us start telling some stories, you know, back when we were in high school. And, you know, that was brought back so many memories that were, you know, I missed. And it was good to be able to catch up with all those guys and to be able to have such an honor to get my jersey retired is pretty special. And I'm, you know, very, very proud and happy about it. When you catch up with friends and talk about old stories, what type of role do you play in those anecdotes? Uh, it's 
anywhere. You know, I could be telling the story or I could be the one the story is being told about. Uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of everything. A lot of times it's listening to my other buddies be uh, be the funny guys. And uh, I'm just usually just sitting there here, hearing them be funny and listen to all the good memories. Everyone on a team plays a certain role, has a personality that's endemic to just them. What was your niche on that team? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we didn't really, I don't know, I would say like separate ourselves or anything. You know, we we're all kind of just a big group and you know, we played as a family and we treated each other like brothers and, you know, we always hung out together. And, you know, I think I just tried to lead by example for those guys on that team. That's pretty much all I try to do and just try to, you know, to do the best I could every day for those guys. And that's, you know, we were able to put it all together our senior year and win that championship. And it was, you know, it was awesome. How does having a band of brothers about 15 or so in high school compare to a 26 man roster that you travel with every day in major league baseball? Uh, it's very similar, you know, uh, you know, 81 of those days we're on the road together. So, I mean, I spent half the season literally with, you know, the guys on my team just on the road, you know, away from family and friends and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of the same, you know, you grow up with the guys in high school and baseball team, you know, you've known them all your lives. And then, you know, you're on a baseball team in the big leagues and, you know, you're there 81 days, you know, half the season with them on the road. And then the other half, you're still seeing them every day. I mean, you're spending 10, 12 hours at the field. So, I mean, they're, they're your family. And so that's, it feels a lot like high school team, you know, in the sense that, you, you know, like I said, growing up and knowing them forever, but, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Locust Grove is some 45 minutes outside of Tulsa. How did living in a smaller town shape your worldview and growth? Uh, you know, living in a small town was just all I, all I knew. So uh, go, definitely going to like a bigger city or something when I was younger was kind of like, wow, it was crazy. I can remember going to work with my dad when he worked because he works here in Tulsa and coming in, just seeing the downtown Tulsa. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so huge. And then now I get to go all of these big cities and it's just like, wow, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's quite the whirlwind when you grow up in a town of less than, you know, a couple thousand people and you go to a place where there's hundreds of thousands of people and it's it's nine day different. And, you know, it's it's pretty crazy. You mentioned that sense of wonder, checking out the Tulsa skyline and moving on forward. A few years into your career now at the major league level, does that become normal? Uh, I would say in a sense it comes normal that you're traveling to a lot of different cities, but I don't know if it'll ever be normal that, you know, we're getting to go to these amazing cities all the time that people, you know, barely get to travel to if ever see, you know, so it's, it's pretty pretty cool to be able to go all these cities and kind of just get the different views of the areas and you know learn the you know the city a little bit and that kind of stuff. It's pretty pretty cool. And you pitch in a great city, Milwaukee. I've had the pleasure of going there several times. I think it's a really cool vibe there. You got a lot of experience this past postseason playing against the Braves, and you pitched two games in relief, one win and one loss. What lessons did you learn from that experience of postseason baseball? Uh, everybody's locked in. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody's locked in. You got to be ready, you know. And, you know, it's just really just 
expect the unexpected because anything can happen and be ready. And, you know, I obviously I made, made a couple of pitches that gave up some homers and some spots, but, you know, it's, it's a live and learn moment. You know, you made, made the pitch, but didn't execute it quite as well. And, you know, it's something to just go back on and, you know, be a little bit better with the execution or the way we set it up or something like that. So there's definitely, you know, a learning tool from everything and definitely taking some of that into this off season. Let's touch on that on the big stage in game one, you pitched two innings of relief uh, for Corbin. Uh, you did really well. You pick up the win. The only mistake is that uh, pitch to jock that he hits for a home run, jock Peterson. What did and didn't work for you in that sequence? Uh, you know, we just, Really, it was the pitch was good. We thought we got we knew what the pitch was. It was just more so the execution for that one. Just didn't quite get it down and out of the zone where we wanted to be more of a chase pitch and just left it in the zone. And he was able to go down and get it. And you know, in those moments, that's what a professional hitters big time moments, especially in the playoffs, they just they do that. You know, they go and you know they hit mistakes, and that was a mistake pitch. Not. Not so much as the pitch called, just the execution of the pitch. We mentioned introducing you. You had a 59% ground ball rate this past season, which among pitchers who threw 140 innings or more would have been second best in the league. So it was kind of odd in, in games one and three to see the the home runs given up. What can you work on to build on that ground ball rate this offseason? Uh, I think just, you know, honing my mechanics and making sure that I'm able to repeat everything, you know, every time and able to replicate the feel of throwing the good sinker and the good pitches down in the zone to get the ground balls that I need. And, you know, I think it just comes with keeping guys off balance. You know, they obviously know I throw a lot of sinkers and you know they pretty much know what's coming, but it's all about just, you know, setting it up and seeing where they're looking and trying to read their swings and, you know, it's all just a big learning game all at once. And, you know, just really trying to get into that good groove and zone where you're out there and just really mixing it up. And, you know, like I said, repeating the mechanics is a big part of it. By the end of the season, which part of your arsenal gave you the most confidence? Uh, I'd have to say obviously my sinker <laughs> obviously the sinker is a big one but uh if you go away from the sinker I would I would have to say you know the curveball the curveball was really big for me and we we're able to you know get it to a good spot this season we we're able to find a few key points that really made it get a little bit better throughout the season and something that I was taking into this offseason to really crisp up and even get better what are your expectations for yourself moving forward? Uh, just keep getting better, you know, just trying to go out and be better than I was the day before and continue to keep doing what I can for our team. And, you know, obviously we want to make the postseason again and we don't want to come up short like we did th this year. We want to get all the way to the finish line and win a World Series. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help out my team and, you know, get my brothers that are the team. And, you know, we're just going to, play for each other and work hard and you know anything I can do and everything that I can do I'm going to do baseball has a lot of stat heads we can throw out ground ball rate or walk rate or uh, left on base percentage how do you Adrian Hauser 
measure individual success and benchmarks for that success? Um, I really don't try to focus on individual success. You know, I try to, you know, go out there and obviously I want to be the best I can be and do the best I can. But in my eyes, if I come off the field with the, with the team in a good spot to win the game, I've done my job. And that's how I would say that I consider that I've done a good job that day. I mean, I may not be pitching the best or doing whatever, but if I come off, come off the mound and, you know, hopefully only give up like two, three runs, something like that, and keep the team right there in the thick of it. You know, I think that's, that's how I would judge a good successful night. It's the only stat that matters really at the end of the day is the win. Yeah. You're in an interesting situation now. Uh, MLB's taken off the headshots and player content in its website. Uh, players aren't allowed to have contact with coaches because of this lockout. How frustrating is that dynamic? Uh, it's really weird. You know, usually we're in talks with, you know, the pitching coach throughout the offseason, you know, some strength coaches and trainers. You know, we're usually keeping in touch here or there, you know, either – once a week or once every two weeks, something like that. And, you know, just kind of not having that feels a little different and not being able to just anytime I want, and, hey, you know, I got a question about this or, hey, this or, hey, I need this or that. It's like, oh, well, I can't do that right now. So I got to figure it out or figure out what I can do on my own. So it's uh, definitely a little weird. And, you know, hopefully we'll get us a – CBA in place that's fair for both sides and we're able to go back to work and start playing some baseball. In a normal off season without a work stoppage, how often do you just shoot off a text to your pitching coach or your manager and said, Hey, I'm working on this. Can you give me feedback on this? How often does that happen? Uh, not a whole lot, but it, it really just depends on the off season, to be honest. You know, if there's certain things that we're working on, you know, that specific off season, you may, I'd, you know, may text them a little bit more or there's not that much, maybe a little bit less. But like I said, it's, I mean, usually in a normal off season, I'm talking to our pitching coach, you know, once, twice a week or once, once every week or two, something like that. And, you know, that's how it is. We have, you know, good relationship. The pitching coach, he's known at least me since 2015 because I had him, I got traded over to the Brewers and double A and, so we've had a good relationship just since then, been able to really work well with the big leagues together. In these moments where there's that void and you can't communicate with club staff, who do you look to for influence and leadership? Uh, you know, probably just being able to talk to teammates, you know, just being able to bounce some things off them, see what they're doing, see what they're up to. Cause I mean, that's, that's really all we got right now. We have each other and, you know, that's, that's where we can go to to ask questions or, hey, what are you doing for this? Or, hey, what are you doing for that kind of stuff? So that's who we look forward to as our teammates. Who's been the most insightful so far? Uh, I would have to say probably the guy who's leading the charge to communicate with all of us is probably Suter. He keeps us in the loop with all of our uh, – all the information we need to know and, you know, make sure we have, have it all and we're – date on the current events that are going on with all this lockout stuff. He's like our representative on the team that talks to the players union. So he taught, he, he relays all of like the main message to us and spreads it out to the team, all, all this teammates.
So he gets it off directly from the Players Association and just sends it all to us and is able to keep us in the loop. So he does a lot. (laughs) He does a lot, yeah. The timing of this lockout is odd. The Brewers announced that they had tendered a bunch of people with contracts for the next season, including you. But those details aren't really out there. How much are you waiting to hear back from the club? Uh, basically we can't hear anything until the end of the lockout. So, you know, it's just a waiting game and obviously we want to, <laughs> we want to hear back and be able to see what we're going to go through in arbitration and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be a little antsy to see what happens. I was going to say, this is a big year for you. Like you're due for a raise and like a big boy raise. This isn't, this isn't junk change. <laughs> so like I was, it's like, come on, man, <laughs> what a time. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a little hectic. It's a little different offseason for sure. You were in the same draft class as a couple other great Oklahoma arms: Dylan Bundy out of Owasso, Archie Bradley out of Broken Arrow. I remember I was looking at an old Tulsa World article, and there's a picture of the three of you guys either on draft night or around that time in your individual uh, high school colors. What lessons have those two guys taught you ten years since? Um, a lot. I mean, they're, you know, we're pretty much still the same guys that we were in that picture that you saw. So, you know, that, if that tells you anything, but, you know, we all, uh, keep in contact pretty, pretty often. And we actually, we're all just hanging out last night. We're all our agency and, you know, guys with our agency are in town and we were all hanging out together last night. And, you know, with them, they've been able to have a little few more years in the big leagues. And so it's kind of, you know, nice to be able to bounce, you know, hear their thoughts and bounce some questions off them and how they go about things and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's definitely been great to be able to be friends with them for so long. Is Jay Franklin your agent? Yes, he is. Okay, I know Jay. He's got all the, the Oklahoma guys. So when you said, oh, my, my agent and hanging out with all of us, like, ah, I got it. Um, yeah. Really love Cole. Um, Cole is so oh, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, Cole's, good. Cole's a good dude. Hopefully he uh, can get healthy and stay healthy this season and have a really good year. Yeah. You've also got a good friend in Ryan Helsley, who's from the Tahlequah area, pitches for the Cardinals. I saw a good article on him a couple of years ago about his work with the Cherokee Immersion School down there and the philanthropy that he does to help that community. How much does something like that appeal to you, being from Cherokee Nation yourself? Oh, yeah. You know, obviously that would be great to one day get into, you know, being able to help and give back, you know, and, you know, the Cherokee nation and Locust Grove, you know, with the high school sports and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you know eventually we want to be able to get to a point where, you know, we can help out and try to help out a lot of people. That's great. I noticed you're wearing a Metallica shirt. Are you a, uh, do you dabble? Are you a big fan? Uh, a little bit. Uh, my wife actually got this for me. So it's just a, a new t-shirt just to kind of wear. I don't don't listen to them all the time, but there's definitely a few songs that I've uh, listened to. Oh, I just noticed it's the And Justice For All album cover. Is your wife a metalhead? No, no. She just oh. likes the shirt because it's, I guess you could say it's a throwback or a <laughs> vintage. It's a vintage shirt. So uh, I think Very she got off, like urban urban outfitters or something. That's very cool. Well, tell your wife she has excellent taste. 
I you will. Guys, <laughs> you guys, high school sweethearts, you guys meet that way? No, no, we uh, we met in 2019, and uh, actually one of my buddies was telling me about her one night when he came up to Milwaukee, and uh, it was, you know, like two, three weeks later, and we ended up somehow messaging each other and talk, and it kind of just went from there, and here we are in 2021, and we're married. Well, congratulations, man. Modern love. We love to see it. Adrian Hauser had his number retired at Locust Grove High School, his number 12 to commemorate the 2011 state champion Pirates team. He is a Eastern Oklahoma legend doing great things for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, thank you so much for joining Raw Tools. Adrian, anything else I'm missing? No, I think we've covered it all. all thank right, you thank for you so Thanks so much for your time. No problem. One thing we didn't mention in that interview, I wanted to thank Dakota Gregory for setting up that interview and arranging for Adrian and myself to meet over Zoom. I met Dakota a couple years ago when he was on the TU football beat for the Tulsa World, and I was a TV sports anchor. Uh, both of us have since moved on from local news, and Dakota's doing stuff out there at the high school got into an education career, um, but a huge instrumental part in making this happen. Dakota, you're the absolute best. And yeah, anything I can do to keep telling the stories of people, especially from Oklahoma, since this place is so near and dear to my heart. So Adrian and Dakota were fantastic. And that was the podcast. Thank you so much to Adrian Hauser for coming on and talking some baseball. He's a great guy. Makes his off-season home in Tulsa. Plenty of good times to come for him and the Milwaukee Brewers. Be sure to like or subscribe to Raw Tools wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review, leave a rating, and please pass the show on to someone who may enjoy it. See you next week.